0: with Dhruv Bogra to continue our conversation about the romance of the road, about cycling in the Himalayas, and his new book, Away, Seven Real Adventures in the Wilderness. In any case, I mean, driving through the mountains, the, the colors and the, the beauty kind of astounds you. So this must have been even more astounding.
1: Oh, it was enthralling. And on a bicycle, you can feel the air. You can you can feel every rattle of the road on your on your handlebars. And you can also go at your own pace. Uh, whereas on a motorcycle, you know, uh, there is a different uh, rhythm. On the car, there's a different rhythm that you're trying to follow. And sometimes you don't. Some, a lot of people tend to travel in groups.
0: And you yes, don't have to sure. break the group
1: rhythm. So you don't stop to take mm. pictures or you don't stop to admire the scenery. There are fixed yeah. stops. So I'm a great proponent of solo trips for this very reason. It's on a solo trip is where you really begin to discover parts of yourself and Mm. really introspect and have the time to really savor the world and stop where you want to, not Mm. where the group wanted to. So uh, while Manali to Khadungla was possibly the only uh, group expedition that I took uh, in Mm. 2012, after that, most of my expeditions have been solo and unsupported. Okay. And uh, and that's kind of given me a different level of confidence, ability to, my confidence to survive in the wilderness on my own. <gasps> and also uh, possibly made me, uh, you know, more adept of, at looking after myself in a situation if it went wrong, which is okay. bound for at some point in the wilderness. <gasps> so yes, uh, it, it kind of makes you, gives you greater confidence in life in almost all aspects.
0: Okay, but I was wondering, why did you include those two Alaska chapters, you know, in this
1: book? So this book is like a, in a way, like a prequel to Grip Gravel and Gear*. Yes. So a lot of yes. people would ask me what stirred you to go on this long trip, okay. and all the trips other than the, uh, you know, the ones that I took after I came back, which is the, you know, the Simla Karapathar or the the Simla Chanshal Pass or the old Innocent Tibet road, four of the stories, four of the expeditions, including the Alaskan ones, happened before Mm -hmm. grid gravel and gear, uh, the the Pan-American highway journey. And the Alaskan trip actually stimulated me and inspired me to come back to Alaska. So when I I, I went to the Chugak Mountains, which is alpine-style backpacking, or I Mm -hmm. cycled alone from Seward to Anchorage, they mm. gave me the confidence that I could do this on my own. And I want to see this part of the world in greater depth. So okay. in a way, Away is like a prequel and a sequel in a way. It straddles mm. and Gravel Gear before and after. Okay.
0: Which one did you find more challenging?
1: The most challenging trip, of course, of all of these, mm. uh, purely because it was in the very early stages of me embracing cycling, was definitely Manali to Khardungla. From a sheer physical challenge, it mm. broke me. and It broke my spirit. It broke me physically. But what emerged mm. out of you know climbing Khardungla on my own, mm. you know, was, was phenomenal. It the, the kind of feeling that I got, the, the the joy, the the sense of accomplishment was fantastic. Mm. But it was also extremely hard in those uh, in those days, early days. I had just picked up cycling a year ago when I climbed Khadungla. Mm. Mm. So suddenly, you know, starting to cycle again after a gap of 21 years and then go to the world's highest road on a mountain bike
0: yeah.
1: uh, was a tremendous accomplishment for all of us. We were five, six of yeah. us. And we were all very new to cycling in a way, inclu- including mountain biking and high altitude. So yes, mm. it was a real test of endurance in those days. However, having mm-hmm. done the Andes on a fully loaded bicycle after that, with 40 kilos, and then climbed mm-hmm. to 15,000 feet, Manali Khardugla mm-hmm. doesn't seem like a very difficult trip anymore. But mm-hmm. after coming back, I would say that the journey to Chetkol was quite tough in some sections. Okay. Uh, especially the climb to Sangla was uh, quite steep. It was almost a 25% grade road. Even, mm-hmm. you know, SUVs are going up at first gear. So you can imagine oh. if you're on a bicycle, uh, yeah. How much ten then uh, with you know about uh, ten kilos of gear on your on you with sleeping yeah. bag in your gear because I I have was carrying gear with me you know I had food I had my clothing my sleeping bag my tools so mm. there was some weight on the bike I, yeah. I was not um, it was not a supported thing where some jeep was hauling me with my stuff mm. so uh, to climb that road took me an extraordinary amount of time it was. Physically very, very daunting. Mm. It also, also showed me that, you know, it's so easy to lose touch with your endurance if you don't keep going back to the mountains often mm-hmm. enough. And mm-hmm. that's where the whole play of, you know, having a busy corporate life comes in. You have to find the time for yourself other than with your mm-hmm. family. Just get out there mm-hmm. and reconnect with yourself, stay physically fit
0: mm-hmm.
1: and keep doing your thing.
0: But why do you think riding in the mountains is often such a spiritual experience, you know, and also transformative? Why is that so? You know, a lot of people say this, and when I was reading your book,
1: hmm. you
0: also mention, you know, this this transformative experience of it. Well, uh, so the mountains have
1: an energy. Uh, from hmm. time immemorial, you know, mountains have inspired ascetics. They've inspired people to write great books to to write poems to in ode to the mountains and th- there is because there is this unique energy about the mountains there is this always a sense of i think man always wants to conquer something so there is a sense like for example we all hear of the famous quote which is because it was there i climbed it right but that was a very humble yeah. uh, a humble uh, thing to say but at the end of the day i think we want to mm. the mountains challenge us Uh, And because they challenge us, there's a certain Mm -hmm. romance to it. And there is uh, a beauty being able to, to sort of being able to take up that challenge and accomplish something, Uh, you know, be on top of a mountain and feel that sense of joy that you are there. But mountains are also more beautiful, I think. I mean, for me personally, they fill me with so much energy and joy. Personally, they connect, my To me, at the soul level, whereas some people would connect to the ocean. You know, each one of us is very different. So for me, going to the the mountains is a soul journey. And Mm. uh, it it kind of does something to me, which is very difficult to put down. And I have tried to capture this beautiful quote by this lama Mm. in his book, Way of the White Clouds, if you remember it. Where he says, Mm. to see the greatness of a mountain, one must keep one's distance. To understand its form, one must move around it. To experience, to experience his moods, one must see it at sunrise and sunset. And it's encapsulated so beautifully in this in this quotation, which I have put in the book. So uh, I think anyone, uh, if if they want to really answer that question, what is it that the mountains, what do they stir in us, they have to just read this quote because it is so so very beautiful. And there's also a quote that I've used from Chief Seattle about the land, the earth, and how the blood of ancestors is actually mingled in it and therefore we come from it and we go back to it you know so uh, i think that's what the earth the mountains do for me
0: like, I love grid gravel and gear because it is so full of detail. And even in this, you know, I like the fact that you have included local details about temples, about the history of those, you know, monasteries and about even things like how Roru was developed by Raja Bajrang Bahadur. I mean, who knows Raja Bajrang Bahadur? But the yeah, fact that you yeah. did it and put in the fact that he made trout fishing popular there. I mean, all these yeah. are really interesting uh, tidbits Correct. and that lifts the book, you know.
1: Yes. Yeah. Thanks. That's what yeah, I so attempt to do in every one of my stories Manjula. There are things I stumble across when I'm there. And when mm-hmm. I'm writing a story, I, I research a bit more. And okay. uh, these are these interesting nuggets of information that emerge, which I mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoy because it's my learning journey also. Okay,
0: very nice. I really enjoyed it. And it Thank made you. me so nostalgic for, for a time when we could just hit the road. <laughs>
1: you know? Exactly. And it's going to happen very soon. So everyone should get uh, get fit, you know. Uh, yeah. You know what, Manjula? What, one of the most fascinating and uh, exciting things that is currently happening in the country, at least in the urban sphere, hmm. is that there are hundreds of leisure cyclists on the road now. So in the last two months, Mumbai, Delhi, Bangalore, there are hundreds, if not thousands of young people who have gone hmm. and bought bicycles. And yes. bicycles are out of stock in the bicycle shops. They're on the uh-huh. road, morning and evening, I see them. And yeah. uh, it's just lovely to see so many young people, young girls, young boys finally mm-hmm. getting out of their home cycling on the road. And yeah. uh, it's really amazing. And I really wish the governments would, you know, really see this as an opportunity to keep this trend going, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, really do something for cycling and running in the cities and let it become a permanent feature where these young boys and girls don't go back to you know, just being stuck at home again because either the pollution is too much or the traffic is too much or the cycling is not safe enough. So I do hope that they get inspired and some of the young cyclists and runners decide to go to the mountains to do some mountain trail running or cycling in the mountains. It's harder, but it's also yeah. more rewarding and beautiful. Yeah, and the
0: fact that we have such a beautiful country and these fantastic oh,
1: yes. mountains. I could like... spend a lifetime, uh, you know, touring the Himalayas and I would still not possibly uh, yeah, it be enough. To to just 10% of the places that are there it's just so beautiful
0: very true very, I agree I agree Dhruv it's been great talking to you and your book I love your book it's uh, I mean like I said I like the last book as well and it's this is really inspiring and it comes at a time where when one needs a book like this to plan for future expeditions you know thank you Manjula
1: and uh, I wish you great journeys too you know you're an avid motorcyclist I know that so uh, I hope you hit the road soon enough. And Chitkol, uh, I think, would be the most fantastic place you could go to.
0: Ah, uh, let's see. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. So, everybody, go out and get away. And It's it's a lovely book and it will inspire you to do uh, uh, to, to hit the road and uh, also to think about things as you hit the road. I mean, as you cycle or as you're on, on a motorbike or as you backpack and really enjoy the country. So, great, Dhruv. Nice-
1: Thank you, Manjala. Bye. Bye. See you. Bye-bye.
0: And by the way, HD Smartcast has launched its first audiobook called A Spy in China, written by Yamini Pustake Bhalerao and published by Juggernaut Books. It's a topical political thriller based on the ongoing tensions between India and China. Every week from the 10th of July 2020, there's a new chapter for you to listen to. Don't miss it log on to www.htsmartcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts and search for a spy in china
1: this was a hindustan times production brought to you by ht smartcast, HT smartcast.